Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's begin. Welcome to the podcast. So today we're joined by Ali, who is a San Francisco Bay Area facilitator, speaker and leadership coach for creative and ambitious professionals and entrepreneurs, mother of two and former sales executive turned ICF certified coach, Enneagram practitioner and graduate of the Barclay Executive Training Institute. Ali's highest intention is to empower individuals and teams to connect to their why and overcome self-doubt perfectionism and burnt out by stepping out of their comfort zone and into their power okay welcome Ali thank you thank you for having me yeah as I was saying I've been really looking forward to our conversation I'm getting over jet lag so I thought this would be really fun (laughs) and it's Monday I feel like it's always nice to have a fun event on a Monday (laughs) exactly exactly so could you talk to us a little bit about your journey and what led you to becoming a coach please Yes, for sure. So my background is in sales. I used to work in fashion and wholesale, and I was very passionate about my relationships with my clients, but I wasn't sure if sales was something I wanted to do for my entire career path, but I didn't actually know what it was that I wanted to do. And I became pregnant. My first daughter, it's probably now it's been, I guess, about 14 years ago. And I am originally from Canada, but I had moved to California with my husband and we started life together there. And I didn't really have a strong community of support. So I had my work, which was, you know, very fulfilling. I traveled a lot, but I didn't really have a strong community of mothers or motherhood. And so after I had my first daughter, I spent some time at home with her just due to the maternity healthcare system in the United States and different things that I wasn't really prepared for Mm -hmm. upon having a child here. And I started to really think about what I wanted my life to look like, but I didn't have the tools to figure it out. So it took me some time of being at home with my kids. And I had another daughter after that. And really just, I think, searching for my why and searching for my meaning, but not sure that I had the permission to pivot or to change or to do something that was more fulfilling to me and feeling this pressure of, oh, work is just work, right? Like that's just what you do. That's, you know, how you survive. That's what we all do. And so I went on my own personal journey of first starting with therapy because I really needed some time to kind of unpack what it meant to be a working woman and mom in today's society. And just like the relationships between myself and my husband. And it was just a really hard time, a hard time that I didn't expect I would have. I wasn't fully diagnosed with postpartum, but I think in hindsight, I probably had that and was experiencing that. And so after going through, you know, that period of self-reflection, I joined a woman's community with other women who were at these pivotal moments in their life where they didn't know what their what's next was. And so it was so empowering to be around women who were unsure of what they were doing. And it was all women of all ages in different spaces. So people in healthcare, people in tech and, you know, just different areas. And I realized the power in community and I realized that And it was two coaches who led the cohort. And I realized that coaching, unlike therapy, 
has this actionable piece to it. And it's really, you know, deep diving into yourself, what matters, what are your values and how do you move forward? So I ended up working with a coach and then defined, you know, my likes and dislikes of my prior career, which was sales. I loved, but I didn't love numbers and I wasn't, I couldn't define my success by the bottom line, but the success of my clients was the number one thing for me. So when I translated that to what does that look like as, you know, career part two, I realized that coaching was such a natural place for me to go because I could help people define success on their own terms, get them into action and do it in, you know, probably less than six months versus the six years. I think it took me to figure out what I wanted to do. So I ended up going, you know, back to school, getting certified and then starting my own business. So I've been practicing now for about five years. Wow, that's really interesting. I like that you say about your clients success because I fully understand that so the Enneagram part that you that you are an Enneagram practitioner correct so can you explain what that is for anyone who doesn't know yes so the Enneagram is a tool it's a personality tool made up of nine different archetypes and what's interesting about this tool I came in contact with the Enneagram a few years ago, as I'm someone who just loves tests. So I'll do, you know, a strengths finder. I do everything like that. I mean, I am an original, you know, 90s girl with Cosmo quizzes on the back page, right? So anything that has a question about personality is so fascinating. But what was interesting about the Enneagram is that it's not something that's stagnant. So you learn about your archetype and there's nine different types and it's based on your motivation. So it's just an interesting way to understand how people work, what their motivation is behind their decision-making and how you can relate to them based on their motivation. So it was different experience as maybe a strengths finder, I feel like is very, you're sort of isolated. So, you know, oh, you know, I'm an innovator. Okay. That's great. It's something you hold on to tight. But what I love about the Enneagram is how you interact with other people based on your type. So I find it's like this place for communication and and connection. And then also with yourself, because you can greater understand the reason why you don't do certain things. Yes, I'm sure that's true. After we spoke, I did the test. And shall I tell you what number I came out at? I would love to hear your number. You're going to tell me your number and then I'll give you a high level view of all the types. And then we're going to dive into yours because it's going to be fun. That would be great. Okay, so I was a seven. Oh, okay. I'm a seven too. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> Yay, that's exciting. So a seven for everybody listening is an enthusiastic visionary. So that's someone who really has a view of the big picture. There are someone who is, you know, motivated by experiences. So it's someone who wants to do the things, see the things, feel all the things. And Sometimes sevens can have a bad rap because sevens in, I would say, when they're not in their finest can be indulgent or they can, you know, sort of tend to party. They can, you know, there's definitely, there's there's like a flaky theme a little bit with seven. (laughs) And so when I originally found out about myself being a seven, I could see that part, but then it opened up this other part of okay, well, what's missing and what are the areas that I want to lean into? And so with a seven, the things that can be hard, and I'm interested to see if this resonates with you, are the details. Sometimes it's hard to like get into the details and the minutia of things because it feels maybe boring. 
Yeah, kind of agreeing with that. Yeah. Yeah. Or hard to kind of navigate. Also sitting in boredom or sitting in almost negativity sometimes can be hard for sevens because we are optimists. Definitely hard. Yeah. And so when you look at the whole nine archetypes of the Enneagram, the idea is that we are, we lean into one type, but we also are parts of others. So if you go through the whole wheel, and this is for anyone listening who might want to identify, we have the type one, which is the strict perfectionist. So their core motivation is to do the right thing. Right. Then we have a type two, which is our considerate helper. And their motivation is to be liked and appreciated. So this is really fascinating when you start unwrapping this in a team setting or a family dynamic. But then we have our three, which is the competitive achiever. I see a lot of threes in my practice. (laughs) And there's someone who strives for And then the four is an intense creative. And so this is someone who has a desire to be unique and authentic. And then our fives, they are the quiet specialists. And I always say if five was a business, they would be Google because fives just have so much data and information and they pride themselves on knowing all the things, but they can be a bit introverted. And then a six is a loyal skeptic. And so they are someone who is has a desire to be safe and belong. And they're that planner person in your life. So if you have a six, they're that person who explores all the angles and knows all the like what could go right or wrong before doing something together. And then we have the seven, which is our enthusiastic visionary. That would be us. And then the eights are the active controller. And so they want it to be, they want to be in control. So they're often in a leadership position, but they can be very so driven and so leadership focused that they can sometimes forget Mm -hmm. about the team. And then our nine actually sits at the top of the Enneagram wheel and they're called the adaptive peacemaker. So their core motivation is about keeping the peace and harmony, and they tend to avoid conflict. That's so interesting because as I said to you, I got my whole family to do (laughs) do the test. And my sister and my husband came out as threes. Okay. I wasn't surprised they were the same. My dad was an eight. Okay. And my mum was a nine, which really fits with, as you said, peacemaker. Mm-hmm. The nine. And that is something that's so, when you explore the family dynamics, it can help piece together even the conversations and the relationships we had growing up in our homes as to who we are now. Because if you think about the mother dynamic and the father dynamic, and it's interesting about the nine, I discovered as well that my mom also is a nine and I discovered my brother is a nine. Oh, so it was funny growing up and I was raised by my mom, single mom and my brother and so my stepdad came along late in my teens, but I always was the one kind of pushing and kind of instigating and just always moving. And I left home at 18 to go travel to Europe. Like I was always that person and I couldn't understand why they didn't want that too. Yeah. Right. And then when you look back and you think about it, or you start to understand the Enneagram and the dynamics in your family, it makes sense because for them, they wanted to keep the peace and harmony and no conflict. And I was like, I want to disrupt. I want to break the norms. You know? <laughs> yeah. so it's just interesting, right? To see that motivation. I'm curious with your husband being a three. Yeah. <laughs> how is that? <laughs> that's, an in- that's interesting. We're definitely quite opposite, I would say. 
Yeah. But both driven, I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, like, that's true. But for different motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. And then your sister as well. Yeah. So would you say, cause I go into coach mode for a second as a business owner and finding out you're a seven, is there anything that you discovered about yourself that you thought, Oh, Maybe I want to work on this piece. Yeah, it made sense to me more about the vision, like you were saying, like in the vision and the big sort of picture and then maybe not so keen on the nitty gritty things. It did make me think, oh, maybe I shouldn't be then focusing on the nitty gritty things as much. You know, maybe that is yeah. something I should get more help with and focus on my strengths. Yes, I love that because I think there's a piece and in, in all in coaching and psychology of earlier, I think the belief was, oh, whatever your weaknesses are, lean into them, you know, build them up, work on that part of you. But I think the philosophy has changed now. And it's much more of lean into your strengths and really embrace Mm -hmm. that. Because at the end of the day, we just want to be in our flow, in our ease. And it's not possible, of course, the whole time as business owners. But I always say for myself, if I had a partner or was hiring, I would love a one because the one perfectionist and they're in the details and they want to do the right thing and they want to streamline. And I think, yeah, when you're spending probably, it might take you two to three times longer, maybe to put together an Excel sheet or to do, you know, maybe your marketing, whatever it might be, where for like that visioning and for you being, you know, front of camera and all of this stuff that's naturally easy for you. It's like, yeah, how do you lean into that and then have outsource the other bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And it's a great way to notice too, when you're checking in, I like to align it with values as well. So if you're thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, your values, and you start to feel misaligned, checking in with the Enneagram piece too, am I overindulging in my side, right? Am I being too visionary? Am I being too out there? Mm-hmm. And how do I kind of rein that in? And they talk about within the Enneagram, the lines like different types that you can lean into based on your number and one for a seven is the five is that quiet specialist right so when you get overwhelmed and you're in the kind of the space of being everywhere for everyone if you can lean in and really take some solace like do you spend any time alone how do you recover I guess yes by being alone (laughs) And you wouldn't think that's the natural place just because you're probably quite social, I would imagine, or you're out there. Yes. Knowing yourself, oh, I really need this time alone to like recover and restore before I can either take on my next client or record my next show. Definitely. Yeah. And I know you just got back from a trip. Do you like that time of travel alone? Like, do you enjoy your time? Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Honestly, yes. (laughs) I know people always say it's such a long flight and I'm like it is my favorite so no one can touch me me too that's exactly why I like it yeah Yeah. above the clouds it's absolutely unreachable (laughs) I know and it's just yeah that one point where it's easy to set boundaries and just kind of be in yourself and I know and some people are, are on the opposite you know fidgety they need to be working they need to be doing stuff and I just think yeah it's a special place so it's like knowing that part about yourself then it allows you to take care of yourself, right? So, you know, That's in true. order to feel my best or my most successful or to even from a goal setting perspective too, like how is it for you setting goals? If you put something out, like, do you strategize in between or is it more just I'll feel my way to it? 
or yes, so I don't do the strategy as much as I should do the strategy. Yeah. I come up with the goals and I have the header. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. And I'm the same way. And I'm, you know, I'm a coach, right? I'm the same way. So I really, it's like that awareness for me. And that's how the Enneagram changed my life is when it brought awareness into my habits, you know, and into my strengths and my blind spots. Then I was able to, you know, recalibrate and say, okay, I know this part I'm good at. So now I can take this and take the notes and I can break it down. And then I, you know, teach people how to do that too. But as a seven, it was definitely, because I have all the vision of the world. And I think that's why people come to me, but then I also, oh yeah, I still have to strategize. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's definitely the harder part I find. I went to it on a retreat in January, a business retreat for the year. And we did come up with our goals and everything. And then we were shown how to absolutely break it down into your calendar so you could really schedule your time. And for me, that's that's a challenging part because I'm feeling like, well, then I'm tied into doing this. And <laughs> that's where yeah, I feel and then up. that constriction yes. comes up, right? Yeah. Because as a seven, you want to experience it all. Your greatest fear is being confined. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So with your schedule, one thing that I use with clients is um, theming out days. Sometimes Ah. I'll do that and that can be really helpful because it's it's kind of contrary to what we were taught, but sometimes scheduling can bring freedom Mm -hmm. because then you know you're doing it. So you take that thinking part out of your brain. So sometimes Mondays, I think, okay, that's going to be my admin day. Client days are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, and kind of sectioning it off that way. So you're not always thinking about what you either should or could be doing. It's kind of like you're rolling into it on a daily basis. That's good advice. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So what kind of transformations have you seen using the Enneagram? Yeah, it's been, it's been really incredible. I think It's interesting, even based on type, how much they want to lean into the Enneagram, which is something I've noticed as I've been working through this with my clients, because I do, because the regular coaching program I do, we, you know, we set up goals and we do intakes and I do some small business coaching and then do some career transitions and, and more like that purpose transformational coaching. And so everybody starts out with the same, you know, intake form. And then we work with Enneagram as well. And it's interesting because certain types, the success I can see almost right away, almost initially. And really one of them is with the nine, that peacemaker type, because the nine is someone who is very self-forgetting. So they are putting other people ahead of themselves. They are maintaining this harmony and conflict and being conflict-free. But one of the primary pieces that shows up with the nine is that in their work, they are being asked to show up at work. They're being asked to speak more. They're being asked to put themselves out there and they're not because they're afraid. What if someone else has something more important to say, right? What if someone else is, you know, needs this more than me or does someone care what I'm thinking? And so it's been really helpful to talk with some of my nine clients because there's also a space within the Enneagram about how you, whether you think first, feel first or act first, and most nines tend to act last. So they're thinking and they're feeling all the things in the meeting and they're not speaking up. So I have two different clients, which I've challenged, you know, to be the first person to talk at the meeting and to raise their hands first. And just that small, like transformation of confidence that comes from being that first person to speak 
and having feedback and people listening and putting themselves out there. I just feel like that has been, I would say, game changing for these individuals, just the way that they see themselves. Because if you don't act, then you're not able to feel the effects of the change. Because I think we're all very good at thinking and hiding yeah, <laughs> a lot of hiding and processing internally, but not externally. So no one knows like kind of your strength. And especially if you're someone who is ambitious and you want to get that promotion and you want to move up the up the ladder, but it's hard for you to put yourself out there because it's hard for you to assert yourself. So I think knowing your type has been really helpful for these nines in particular to be able to assert their, their authority. I think, you know, and then on the reverse, I have some threes note to your head that I work with as well. And their biggest challenge is getting into their feelings, right? So they're often so driven and they're doing, and it's about their to-do list and they are out there and they're action, action, action. And sometimes they're doing so much, but they're not stopping to think about their why. Right. Right. And not stopping to think about how does this make me feel? You know, what do I notice? So with the threes, it's like the nines, I'm yeah. them up. <laughs> and then the threes, I'm slowing them down, right? And they really like, think about how do you want to feel this week? How do you want to feel at the end of the day? And just try to incorporate those slow moments because with the three, their greatest fear is failure, right? So they just don't want to be seen as a failure. So they don't allow themselves the time to process. So the threes tend to be, yeah, driven, go, 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 go. But when they're faced with a major life decision or a conflict, they don't really know how to break it down and unwrap it because they're so used to just being rewarded for working hard. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So just, you know, check in with your husband mm-hmm. and see how his feelings are. Yeah. So when you start working with a client, do you get them to do the Enneagram test at the beginning? Yes. Yeah. So we do it at the beginning and then I do, I do it on the second session. So our first session is always to really kind of a get to know you. And I like to talk about even just from childhood initially, just talk a little bit about parents and family and values. Cause one thing I work on as well, which ties into the Enneagram too, is limiting beliefs. And there's just a lot of like limiting beliefs that we come to adulthood with catchphrases, you know, that maybe our parents have said to us growing up, right? Like, you know, if you, you're not first, you're last, right? Or, you know, or just because you're rich doesn't mean you're happy or whatever kind of catchphrases that come up in our house. And I feel like we bring those to the table and they become our truths. So in the first session, I like to kind of dig in and say, you know, what values did you learn from your parents? What were the, some of the things said to you in your house? Even birth order, you know, just a lot of those things that we come to the table with. And then on the second session, we'll do the Enneagram and then we kind of use it as a foundation and a reference through the relationship. So if someone came to the table, let's say a two, perhaps. So a two is someone who is a helper and their motivation is really to build relationships, right? So they're very much about serving everyone else and their core fear is, is being forgotten about or not being liked. So they're probably in an office space. They're the one that's planning the office baby shower. They're the one that's, you know, bringing in treats for people and they just can tend to just not remember themselves, you know, and, and think about themselves. So with a two, when there, if a conflict arises or a two is burnt out because there's someone who will burn out on giving, 
we'll just talk about that. How is your two showing up right now? Well, I didn't want to say no to working these extra hours because I was afraid that they, I wasn't going to be liked or I was afraid. I mean, this is something the two, I think, is pretty much in all women. Like we all have parts of a two, but specifically if someone shows up as that type, we'll work harder to enforce boundaries and work harder to get them to value themselves as much, if not more than the people in their life. Oh, that's really good. So when you have your first session and you're talking to people and they're telling you about themselves, do you ever get an idea of what you think they might be, what number they are? For sure. (laughs) Yes. But I can't say, even in doing becoming certified through the Enneagram, that's one thing is we're not allowed to typecast people or to say, but of course these things come up and it's really interesting because sometimes I'm wrong. And what I love Mm -hmm. about that is to me, it's just like that human experience where based on how I came to the table and my own perceptions, I've decided you are a certain way because you act a certain way. Okay. when I'm surprised, I would say I'm probably right about 75% of the time, I would say, just because I think I know, you know, you learn so much and I know kind of what I'm looking for when Mm -hmm. talking to people. And it's hard, of course, not to go around and type every friend that I have as (laughs) well, even though I said, I'm like, you should do this, you should do this. But it's interesting because there are some that are mistyped and one that's common and that I've seen are the threes and sevens, which is interesting because they both are really adaptable and generally outgoing and personable. And, and there is a successful piece and a motivation piece there. But I had a client recently who we we both thought she was a three. We were just like, you're a three, you're a three across the board. And then it turns out she's a seven. And so when we got into it, it's like, she is successful and she is driven, but she's also at the end of the day, wanting to like travel and wanting those experiences. And then on the flip side, my husband, I thought was a three for the longest time. And it turns out he's a seven as well. Oh, I know. So that was very surprising. I mean, and you can tell in the deeper like there's a more, a deeper assessment that I use with my clients and actually will break down the percentages of what archetypes are in your type. So his three and seven was very close. Yes. But when I started to unpack it, because he's incredibly driven, I, I did also realize that right. his, you know, connection with the outdoors or sports or surfing or those things really started to show up more in that seven space. So it is really fun. You know, when someone comes back, it's different because then you get a greater understanding of how they're motivated and how to communicate. And then other people, you're like, of course you are. Like, I feel like I can spot a nine usually like that. Because <laughs> you know, they just have this energy that's warm. And again, that self-forgetting piece, like I'm good, whatever you want. I'm good. It's easy. You know, and so I think it's yeah, totally my mum. It's yes. so yeah, right? completely. Completely, yeah, because she would rather everybody be happy than stir the pot. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And but it's funny too the way that when you think about people's types and how it pertains to you. So it might it might help with that reflection piece. Because I do have a friend that I know is a six and she's someone who plans quite a bit ahead of time. And if we travel together she's planning like all the things and I used to feel like guilty or feel that I wasn't doing enough. And then I realized it's actually just what makes her feel safe. 
Oh, okay. So it's useful. So it's useful. So she's doing her thing. That's what makes her feel safe. For me, what makes me feel safe is like all the fun or all the vision. Oh, yes. yeah, I don't even care. Yes. <laughs> you know? But for her, yeah. Yeah. So she's she's like, I'm along for your ride, Allie, but I need to make sure we're going to be okay. So I'll pack the extra stuff and I'll plan for the thing. So it's actually a great relationship, but it took me a while to kind of understand. And I think that's in life in general work family that it's not really about us but we think it is mm-hmm. yes yes we yeah you're right we do <laughs> so how is it different using the enneagram with individuals versus teams well I think with the team space so the individuals that I coach sometimes we'll talk a little bit about their team dynamics but if I'm not working with their teams then it's not something I can fully unpack but in the team space, working, and it's so funny because sometimes I think of teams as families, right? So thinking about that space and, and the mm-hmm. Enneagram, you also can okay. do this companion that does couples and breaks that down. So I've done a bit of that work as oh. well, which is fascinating and have done my own, which has been very helpful. But in the team or in the corporate or small business space, it's just really fascinating because what you can do is you do the individual assessments first, and then you look at the wheel of the team and you see, you know, what's dominant there, what's missing. And then also the communication and the feedback, because really at the core of all teams for engagement, livelihood, you know, progress, there has to be trust, right? There has to be a space where you feel safe and you feel like you can communicate and receiving the words that someone's saying and it being similar I always say there's kind of three conversations going on there's what you say what someone hears and then the kind of truth in between (laughs) right so it's almost breaking down that space so I worked with a team recently was I think there was eight people the leader was a nine and so she was the one kind of holding space for everyone but there was part of her that was wanting to pull people out of, you know, of their comfort zone and get them kind of get the energy moving. And when we broke it down, we realized, okay, we've got some sixes and threes, but we were missing the seven. There was no seven on the team. We were missing a one. So it was just interesting to then break down, okay, what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your struggles? Okay. Actually vision, you know, vision is an, is an issue here. So maybe you're not going out and saying, I'm going to hire a seven because, you know, we don't use the Enneagram to, to use as a hiring tool, but you become aware of what you can lean into. What does vision look like for everybody on the team, right? And then if you're great at doing the details, but it's, and you're good in your head, but action is hard, where do we need to take action? So that part's just really fun, right? So being able to open it up and figure out those little pieces of, I would say like mobility, how to make the team stronger and grow. And then also on an individual basis, we went through and talked about feedback and how at at certain types, how you like to receive feedback. So if you're a two, for example, you, you, if you're giving feedback to a two, you really want them to feel comfortable, right? And you don't go way into the details. Like you just want to be I value you. I value your space here. Here's one thing we're looking for. And then sometimes the two will just try to give you feedback. So you have to watch out for that as well. So it's just kind of fun to break down. It's almost like a calling card, right? Or what you could put on your desk. These are the things about me that I would like you to know. 
And I'm into feedback, but if you're going to do it, could we, could we kind of do it in this way? I see. Yeah. So for us, for a seven, feedback is like, let's make it fun. Yes. Right? <laughs> let's have a coffee. Let's chat about it. Let's solve it. Let's vision it out. And then give me some time to take away maybe the things I need to work on and I'll come back mm-hmm. to you. You know, I want to take that with me and then return. Yeah. So, yep. I, I understand that fully. <laughs> Okay, so what advice would you give to someone who felt stuck in their life or in their business? I have so much advice. Let me think about what would be something. I think the number one piece of advice that I have is, and it translates into your business as well, but it's just knowing yourself, like knowing yourself on a deeper level where you're in charge of that growth. I think it's really easy in today's society for people to either label you or for you to come to the table with, like we talked about those limiting beliefs and this idea, oh, well, I am an extrovert. I am like these things that we hold on to that actually just simply might not be true, Mm -hmm. but because someone told us that they become part of us. So I like this idea of really stripping back all of the external expectations, all of the things that we have heard and really looking into ourselves and our truth. And there's a few different ways that you can do that. I mean, one very simply is take the Enneagram, you know, have some time for some self-reflection Two is spend time alone. It's just not something that a lot of us do. And especially if you're in a place where maybe you have family, career, children, whatever it is, um, you become almost a sponge to your surroundings. So if you can take that time and be alone and start to figure out what you like and what you don't like. So I feel like I recently last year just went away for one night by myself, just thinking, okay, I need to recalibrate my business goals, my personal goals, had a journal, ask myself some questions. And it was just able to open up the possibility of things I hadn't thought of and also getting back to myself So, because when people are stuck, often what happens is it's the same stories on repeat and our beliefs of those stories that are holding us back. Mm. So I always like to think of kind of the inner critic, right? It's that voice that's saying, you know, you, you know, don't stand out or you're not qualified or you can't possibly do that. And so you're staying small and believing those words. And sometimes your community reinforces it because that's also scary for others. So that's another thing that I like to talk about too, because not because people are not supportive or loving, but they're scared, right? So if you say, I'm going to apply for this new job, or I've decided to, you know, quit my corporate gig and open a business, people around you will have opinions, right? So the greater the relationship you can build with yourself, then the easier it is to hold on to your truths and your beliefs and just simply say, thank you. I appreciate this, but I'm going to try it this way. And also failing is okay. I like that. Yes. That's excellent tips. Thank you. So how can people work with you, Ali? Well, in a, in a number of different ways. I mean, I feel so grateful to have this platform of Zoom yes. that we can talk to each other, you know, from two different continents. So there's a few different ways Primarily in the one-to-one coaching space, I work in a six-month engagements where I help people with their career transformations, business mentoring, and personal development. I'm currently doing a three 
session deep dive on the Enneagram right now and would love to connect mm-hmm. with your viewers around that. And that's really just a, what is your type? Mm-hmm. What do we want to do with it? How do we move forward? So it's really fun. And it's just a great way to learn about your motivations and strengths and weaknesses. And then also if you are a company and you have a team or your full company and you're looking for the, how could the Enneagram support your growth and impact and leadership development, because that's also the space that I'm in is developing leaders to feel good, be stronger, live in their values. I also work in that space as well. Wow. Okay. Well, I would thoroughly recommend somebody talking to you about their Enneagram and deep diving into it. I think it's really fascinating. So thank you so much for your time and all your insights. Where can listeners go to connect with you? So you can find me on my website, which is www.alliedunn.com. It's my name. And then I'm also on Instagram at Allie M. Dunn and on LinkedIn at Allie Dunn Coach. So I would love to hear from everyone and really connect with your listeners. And it was so great talking to you today and learning about your Enneagram type. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I'll put links to all of those in the show notes. It's been great to talk to you. You too. Thank you. Visit www.victoriabenyon.com to book a free podcast guesting strategy session with one of our team. Using the information you provide when you book, we'll get to know you and your business better so you get the most value from your strategy call. You will come away from this 30-minute session with huge value. We'll share our top tips for being a podcast guest and up to five suggestions of perfect fit podcasts you can approach. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.